Hello and welcome to the Living Life Differently podcast. We are the Mahojos. I'm Amy. And I'm Ali. And we live in a static caravan on a farm in South Wales with our son Ollie and our dog Dizzy. We're currently on a year off together and we have finally made it on our long-awaited European campervan adventure. We have made it to Portugal. More about that later on. During the pandemic lockdown, we decided to set up this podcast to share stories of women who are living life differently, women who are doing things different to the norm. So if you're feeling a little stuck in life or need confidence to make some big changes, then keep listening as we have some brilliant guests. In this episode, we speak with Philippa Alexandre, who left the island of Jersey with her husband Callum and Kat Theodore to do some travelling in a motorhome, but they ended up living in Portugal. Listen as she tells us about her van life travels and how she decided to move to another country. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Living Life Differently podcast. Today, we're delighted to welcome along Philippa Alexandre. Hello, Philippa. Hello. Uh, it'd be great if you could tell us and um, our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you live, and what you're doing in life right now. Um, at the moment, I am living in the south of Portugal uh, with my husband and our cat, Theodore. Um, we have just finished 16 months of full-time travel in our motorhome and uh, because of various reasons, COVID, Brexit, etc., we found a little base here in Portugal. That's brilliant. Really exciting. So you've been travelling and you've now settled in Portugal. So where, where were you living before? And, you know, I'm assuming you're in the UK. You know, what was life like back in the UK? We are from a little island called Jersey between uh, England and France. Um, most people have heard of it either from Bergerac or their grandparents have honeymooned there at some point. <laughs> <laughs> What's life like on the island of Jersey? Is it we lived on a small island of Malta and is it a small island mentality or is it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, nine miles by five and there's about 120,000 people who live there. So quite a lot of people for a small space. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, the beach is stunning countryside is lovely um but it's super expensive one of the reasons we left really was because life was just so expensive and we just we were working so much we weren't seeing each other um and we just thought what's the point what's the point of being together and then only really saying hello in the morning good night um uh yeah, yeah it, it's really beautiful and one of the things that we missed other people our friends and family uh that's the biggest thing that we missed since we've been traveling uh we went back to jersey in march for two months uh, to sell the most home after we've been traveling and put our little base down here and um, we love going back and seeing everybody but it also helped us to decide that what moving here was the right thing for us well, that's interesting. And, and we'd like to dig in a bit more into like the van life um, that you had, you know, and then leading on to moving to per- Portugal. Um, but yeah, we, we've heard of Jersey through, you know, Bergerac. Yeah, <laughs> Show and going on. <laughs> Your mum went on the coast tour. There you go, classic. <laughs> um, and uh, years and years ago, I, I visited um, Guernsey with my family and obviously Jersey and Guernsey are neighbours. So I didn't realise the island was that small. That you know, it's actually smaller than Malta. It is. We thought Malta yeah, was small. Yeah, yeah that is really yeah. small. What were you guys doing for work when you were there? You said, you know, you, you, you barely saw each other. So were you in jobs that were quite stressful or long hours? Uh, well, I've worked in childcare for about 20 years and various roles, um, <laughs> nurseries, nannying. Uh, we did children's parties for quite a while. I had a fancy dress shop. Um, and in the last couple of years, we've been running our own classes for families and children um, for about five years, I think, and um, a forest school-based holiday club. So before we left, to, partly to save money, but partly because we were working that much anyway, I was working five or six jobs um, before we left. And my husband is a digital marketer, so I was getting up super early to go and set up the clubs and everything. And then he worked better late into the night. So he would be working for like two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Wow, that's pretty full on. And was that yeah. quite, quite a big motivator for you guys to, to change your lives? Did it, was there kind of a, a seed in your minds in terms of you wanted to do something different, you, but you weren't sure what that was? 
yeah, like I said, there were lots of reasons that led us there. Um, neither one of us had left the island to go to university, which is usually what people do. Um, we both gone straight into work. I did go straight after my A-levels to America, though, and um, I worked in the summer camp for a couple of months. And then I did a thing called Trek America. So the summer camp was Camp America, and then I did Trek America, which is where you travel around America, choose one of the routes in a minibus with, I don't know, eight or nine other random people you've never met before. And uh, that kind of gave me the taste of traveling. But obviously that was quite a while ago now. And then life just happens. Um, and once you start working, you've got to keep working. Um, yeah, and then we met each other. How long have we been together now? Too long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be 13 years in September or something we've been together. And yeah, just lots of things lined up. Um, I was tr- working on trying to open a school in Jersey, a nature-based school. And I worked on that for about five years. And because the space is so small, we just couldn't find a site to do it on. Um, so that, uh, along with working so much and prices going up and just life was getting more and more stressful and we weren't seeing each other. And we thought, you know what, something has got to change here. So, we, yeah, we bit the bullet and lined up our life for a year or so before we left. I, I get what you're saying about lots of things lined up in order for you to kind of make that change and head off in your motorhome, which I'll talk to you about a bit more in a minute. And previous guests have talked about like a similar thing, like things lining up or the stars aligning or, you know, twists of fate and things like that. Did you feel like things just kind of, um, you know, came to a head like in your control or out of your control? I, do you get what I mean there in terms of did you feel that it was your own decision making that led you to make the change to leave or was it just a number of things that fell into place randomly a bit of both um partly we had to work very hard to save amount of money that we did so that we could go off traveling um but also there are a few things holding us back um I was ill for a very long time um with something called myasthenia gravis and it makes your muscles weaker quicker so, you know, like the day after you've been to the gym and you feel all floppy and everything hurts. Well, that's how I felt for about 10 years in my 20s. Um, and then I finally saw a specialist, had an operation and um, sorted that out and kind of changed my lifestyle as well. You know, healthy eating and looking after myself more. Um, and then just as I was getting better, my husband, Callum, he got ill and um, he has a different autoimmune thing with his kidneys. And just before we left, it was the first time since we'd been together that neither of us um, had to regularly see a doctor. So that was one thing that kicked it off. It meant we could get health insurance and it meant that we didn't have to come back from medication and doctors and things as well. Um, and then, yeah, like the school, I just decided that maybe it just wasn't meant to be. You know, you can only try things a certain number of times, bashing your head against the wall. Um, and then, yeah, just family and life and lots of other things just kind of lined up and went, right, go on, off you go. <laughs> and then in terms of the decision to, to travel and get to the point where you decide to, to buy a motorhome, um, had you done much research on that? I know you said you'd been out in America and done a van trip out there with a bunch of people. But aside from that, had you had any experience of van life or was it just something you wanted to do brand new together? um personally we haven't one of our very good friends which is another reason why we went traveling he uh their family used to live in jersey i looked after the children and we were all really very good friends and then they moved back to northern ireland and um he was actually english and there was no work at the time in northern ireland but he introduced us to motorhoming um and he was going back and forth back and forth and um he got really ill with cancer just before he retired and he said to us, just just go, just go and do it. Don't wait for everything. I've been waiting till I retired to get on with life and just go. Um, so, yeah, he was an inspiration for us. And that's why we called our band Stevie after him. Um, so, yeah, we, we watched a lot of YouTube, a lot <laughs> of uh, band life people, um, did lots of research and got 
a van that we absolutely haven't planned to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we've spoken to to two other um, van lifers previously, um, two women in Australia and, and Siobhan from the UK, um, about their van life. Oh, yeah. And there is so much information out there now, isn't there, about van life, whether you build your own van or you buy a motorhome and grow off. There's a massive community which is really supportive. So in terms of buying the motorhome you did then, how how did you end up with one you didn't want? What what did you have your sights on and how did you end up with that one? Well, we wanted to do the proper whole van life thing, find a van, do it up, build it and um, take that away travelling. But like I said before, we were both working crazy hours. I was doing like 80-hour weeks before we left. And um, to the practicalities of actually building our own van, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and secondly, we adopted a cat. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want a cat. We were going to go and get a dog. This is a few years before, but as cats do, they um, our friends had a couple of cats. They broke up and they said, can you just look after the cat for a couple of weeks while um, we find somewhere else to live? We were like, yeah, yeah, sure, of course, of course. Three months later, the cat's still with us. Oh. And um, my Callum, my husband, uh, is a complete dog lover, not positive cats at all. And uh, him and Theodore are now best buds. <laughs> so um, he's trained him to give him a little um, head butt fist pump as soon as he comes in the door and everything. Um, so yeah, we said to our friends, look, he's happy here. We love him now. Um, either you take him now or he stays with us. So they were like, well, yeah, he's happy. Keep him. Um, and this was maybe, I don't know, four years before we decided to go traveling. And then we thought, you know what? He was a rescue cat already. He's already had a couple of homes before he came to us. There's absolutely no way we can leave him behind. So when we were looking at size of the van, um, we thought, oh, you know what, a motorhome would just be so much easier for us and with the cat as well. Um, but we were initially looking at a four berth motorhome. We thought, yeah, that'll be fine. That'll be sufficient room to live in. And we, Jersey's obviously very small. It's a very small market for second hand motorhomes. And we went to see this one, which was six berth. And before we went to see it, we said, oh, we're just going to go and look. Just <laughs> it we definitely do not want this. And um, Callum and I are quite different characters. I jump in with two feet and go, yeah, come on, let's do it. What's the worst that could happen? And um, Callum is very much considered the consideration. So we balance each other out quite well. We went to see the fan and I was buzzing after we saw it. And I just sat in the car and I was like, playing it down, playing it really cool. <laughs> so uh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about the van then? And he's like, actually, I really love it. I think we should get it. And I was like, what? um yeah so then we got it (laughs) oh fantastic so you got a a six birth uh motorhome a husband and a cat and you're ready to to set off how how long before you like how long did you kind of give yourselves to get ready to go off in the motorhome was it a year was it shorter longer about a year um we we had to sell our flat um I uh, had to sell my businesses um, and obviously everything that we owned. Um, we did foolishly sell the sofa and telly a bit too early. We That was a mistake that we probably should have uh, waited for a couple of weeks, but we were three months without a sofa and a telly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was grand. We um, moved into the motor home at the campsite in Jersey. I think I moved in two months before we left so we could get the adult used to the van. That makes that his space um and then Callum was going to and fro from the van the flat and working back um but yeah about a year to organize it and about two months to prep the van and then we left in September 2019 oh brilliant what a great idea to move on to a campsite so the the cat could get used to things that's absolute genius and what what were friends and family like at the time? Did they kind of get what you wanted to do or, or were they a bit confused or weird about it? A whole range of emotions, really. Um, our closest friends knew that we were frustrated where we were and we needed to do something different. Um, both of our sets of families had been off travelling um, in their lives earlier on 
um, like Callum's parents for a long time lived in different countries and my mum had moved away um, I think when she was 16 she went to Belgium uh, Callum's parents had lived in Germany his dad lived in um, Kenya and the Middle East uh, so yeah his sister lives in Australia now so we're they're quite used to people being all over the place and going on adventures that's positive because I know when we've spoken to to different guests previously um I guess similar experiences you know some some friends and family really do get it and others are a little bit confused and maybe some are a little bit jealous as well so yeah interesting to hear and great well great to hear that you've got people in in your friends family circle that have traveled as well you know people you can kind of um fall back on and lean on um so You've got your moto, got the cat, got Callum, and you set off. Did you know where you were going? Did you have a plan? Um, we had a vague plan, which completely went pot. We, <laughs> <laughs> we left in September and we'd arranged to meet friends, some friends and family in Malta, actually, for Christmas. Hey. Yeah, because um, one of the families that I'd nannied for in Jersey had moved to Malta. So they said, well, you know, if you're down that end of Europe, come over and you can stay with us. So we thought, yeah, fantastic. A bit of winter sunshine. Uh, so what did we do? We started off with a, some friends near Dino. We just took it really, really relaxed. And there were some things that we hadn't finished on the van that we needed to do there. Uh, and then we went to stay with my godmother for a little bit in Belgium. And then we, what did we do? Oh, we took it far too intensely. <laughs> <laughs> we spent the last, at least the last six months, hardly seeing each other at all. And then we were chucked together in a, a van, seven and a half metre van, 24-7 with each other. And we were like, oh, my God, you are really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Theodore wasn't having much fun either. He was meowing a lot. And we were like, oh, no, have we made a really big mistake here? So um, we kind of stepped back a little bit. And we had to get our heads around that we weren't on holiday anymore, that we were traveling now. So we didn't need to race around and try and see everything all in one go. Um, but we were driving, you know, six hours a day some days, and it's just not sustainable. So I think by the time we got to Germany, we were going to the Munich Beer Festival, of course. <laughs> um, uh, our, we've got um, gas flow refillable canisters in the motorhome, and we sprung a leak on the motor on the motorway in one of those. Um, so we'd had that bit of drama we'd had a bit of falling out um, and then by the time we got to Munich Beer Festival which was only maybe two weeks three weeks into the trip we were exhausted, we were ill, we were miserable it was raining the van had nearly blown up <laughs> and we were like right, we need to do something about this um, so we just decided to take it a bit more easy drive maximum of two hours a day um and not move every day drive for a little bit stay for a couple of days in one place and then move on and um yeah that works much better that's a really interesting insight into the like the first steps I guess into van life and you know hearing that you'd spent all this time not together and then suddenly you're together squished in a van and you're traveling hours and hours you know totally get that um, and also interesting to hear that you kind of put, press pause a bit so that you can actually enjoy yourselves and slow down. So did did you find that things changed then after that? Did your whole approach to your journey change and did you get more enjoyment from it then? Absolutely. All of us did, um, the two of us and Theodore, because we could stop in a place and we were a bit nervous about taking him and whether we could let him out. And we started letting him out on the lead with a harness and we hated that. Um, but as we started to relax, he started to relax. And then we found if we stay in a place for a couple of days, then we get used to it. He gets used to it. We brought bean bags with us, which took up a ridiculous amount of space, but were one of the best things we took with us 
we didn't have to step upstairs or anything. We could just chuck them outside whenever we stopped. Um, and we would go and sit down and then Theodore would just come outside, have a little sniff around, lay on the beanbag and stay with us, not wander off. Um, yeah, so it worked out much better when we were more relaxed. Oh, bless, bless little Theodore. Um, where did you where did you travel off to then after Germany? Did did you have another plan then? Did, you know, as your mindset changed with slowing down a bit, did you then change your travel plans for where you wanted to go? Um, we kind of had a vague idea. We just knew that we needed to be in Malta for Christmas. Um, so we just kind of meandered down through Austria, Slovenia, Croatia, and then um, Bosnia, Albania, Montenegro, and then into Greece. Oh, lovely. And what part of Malta were you visiting? All over. Um, I can't even remember what the places are called apart from Valletta. <laughs> uh, we... So we, what did we do? We left Greece, I think, about on the 20th of December, something similar. And then we had to take a ferry from Greece to Italy and then drive from one side of Italy to the other. And then we got another ferry from the west side of Italy down to Malta. And it was that wonderful time of the year where it was gale force winds and thunderstorms. So it took us. I think 26 hours to get to Malta in the end. Um, and then we rented an Airbnb place. I can't even remember what the name of the area was, but we'd rented an Airbnb place and it was one of the traditional kind of sandstone houses. Absolutely beautiful. And um, Callum's parents and his sister had come to stay with us for that week. And then they left. And we hired a different place, a more modern place with a pool and everything, proper luxury. Mm. And um, uh, we had about 12 friends come to stay with us with their kids and everything for New Year. And that was just the best week, exactly what we needed after three months on the road, just to see the people that we love. Um, and then it was gale force winds and storms again. And it was that time when uh, Barcelona was taking a battering in the January. Oh, yeah. So our ferry from Italy to Spain had been delayed a week. But thankfully, our friends that lived in Malta, they were moving flats. So we were able to stay in their flat for a week. Um, so, yeah, it all worked out brilliantly in the end. Oh, that sounds like a great time to, to stay in Malta. And sounds like it was a good time for you to kind of just chill out a, li- a little bit and relax after that time on the road. What- yeah, it was good. In terms of that that first part of life on the road, was that your biggest challenge or did you face other bigger challenges as you went along? Um, that I think that was the biggest challenge for us personally with our relationship. Um, we had a couple of issues with the van, just with the gas again. In Croatia, we had to seek out this um, gas engineer in Croatia because it was doing funny things. And he said, oh, yes, Croatia has bad gas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were like, all right. He said, don't fill up there anymore. Make sure you fill up at these places. We we're like, okay, fine, fine. Everything else kind of went, uh, like staying in Malta for an extra week. Um, we did get broken into when we were near Barcelona. And that was definitely one of the hardest times. Where do I start this story? <laughs> okay, so we'd met some people who were from Argentina when we were in Greece and pre-COVID when you could do this kind of thing you just kind of chat to people that you just met go over have a couple of beers say hey where are you from where have you been where are you going pop stories and things like that and anyway we got on really well Connie and Ari um, and they were trying to get their residency in Spain so they said when you come over to Spain look us up have a meter so we said okay yeah cool cool So when we got to Spain, we spent, we were only going to spend two days with them before we headed down the East Coast. And um, they said, ah, but we're going to Andorra this weekend. Do you want to come? And by this time, we decided to create a rule where we just said yes to every opportunity. (laughs) 
So we said, yeah, okay, cool. Let's go to Andorra for the weekend. And uh, they have a dog with them as well. So they put the pet-friendly hotel. So Theodore was chuffed with that. People come in the hotel with us. Um, we went up to Andorra. We went on a snow toboggan down the mountains. It was really cool. Then we came back down to just below Barcelona. And we said, okay, okay, we really need to go now. We really need to go now. And they said, no, no, no. But we have a fiesta this weekend. You have to come. Oh. They were like, well, you know our rule is to say yes to everything. <laughs> they were like, okay, cool. We'll go to the fiesta. And it was um, so these Argentinians speaking Argentinian Spanish, Spanish speaking Spanish, and then Catalonians speaking Catalonian Spanish. And then us trying to piece it all together at the barbecue where people are drinking. Uh, I think there was about 15 of us, something like that. Um, that was one of the best nights I've ever had. <laughs> and then we said, okay, okay, we have to go now. We really have to go now. Thank you so much for all this hospitality. Um, and we stopped at the supermarket just to do our laundry before we went. 20 minutes in the supermarket, came out, and uh, somebody had broken into our van, taken all our electronics, pulled everything out of every cupboard, smashed things. Um, smashed through Theodore's cat tree because it sits between the two front seats where they come in and we thought we'd lost Theodore we just couldn't find him anywhere um, so yeah we were we were panicky um, thankfully he's a very smart cat and he he has his own apartment which is the <sighs> bed above the driver's seat the cab bed yeah. and he's hidden himself right in the corner and gone right under the cover he was petrified for about two weeks he wouldn't go near Callum because he was dark on a man yeah um so yeah that was one of the worst parts of our trip oh god that must have been absolutely heartbreaking and I think for us that's our worst fear with traveling and and I think we've almost resigned ourselves to the fact that you know at some point along the line we may get broken into I can't imagine what that must have been like and especially in a in a in a different country as well how how did you deal with it what was the like aftermath like um shock to start with obviously uh, we, we had been warned about near barcelona but this was quite a bit further south and like i said we'd been in that area for about two weeks on and off so we kind of felt like we knew it and it felt safe to us um but yeah theodore wouldn't go near callum for a little while I was having nightmares about people breaking in and we we wild camp quite a lot and you kind of get to know the noises of your van but obviously when you're wild camping you're there isn't much else going on outside and we have had the bikes in the back of the most as well so every rattle and every bang and every wind then I would just have to grab Callum and be like there's that somebody there um but thankfully the insurance were really good about it and um, <laughs> they they gave us the money for all our things after you know a bit of arguing with insurance which is what usually happens um but they'd taken Callum's work laptop and he was working on the road to keep us taking over financially and by the time that they'd agreed to give us the money for the laptop it was the weekend that COVID lockdown started in Spain. Oh, no, timing. <laughs> so that, that means that all the shops were shut and we couldn't get hold of the laptop then. Oh, crikey. What a disaster. <laughs> I was going um, to ask about life on the road and, you know, finances, because I guess with a long trip like yours, you know, yeah. we was going to ask about how you fund your travels. So... You said Callum was working online and, and I guess you'd sold everything as well. Is that how you kind of financed your trip? Yeah, we saved enough for about a year. And then we got to about 10 months and we were like, you know what, actually, we're having a really good time. We don't want to go back. Um, and thankfully, Callum, like I said, works as a digital marketer. So he can work online. So it just meant kind of finding places that had good enough signals to work and working our days around all right maybe you've got like a big dog fun at the moment so we won't go adventuring for maybe two days and then we'll go and swim in some waterfalls or something mm -hmm. 
Um, so it was definitely a much better work-life balance than we'd had back in Jersey. Well, that's brilliant. Uh, you know, finding a balance like that, I bet that was a bit of a game changer, really. And in, in terms of when you bought the motorhome originally then and planned to travel, did did you always intend to go back or was it a case of, well, we'll see what happens? It was always on the cards. I think Callum was probably more leaning towards going back. Um, and then just the longer we were away, the longer it just didn't make sense anymore. Firstly, to get back on the property ladder mm. would just have been impossible. Um, and then, yeah, just the freedom and enjoying having that time together as well. It all contributed to us just wanting to carry on the adventure. So as you carried on with your travels, were there were there any particular highlights that, that you can share with us in terms of things that really like blew your mind about, I don't know, any places you went to or people you met? Oh my goodness, so many. <laughs> um, yeah, you could have a whole, whole podcast just about that, I think. <laughs> um, but like you were saying before, the van life and motorhome community are just incredible incredible people um like online social media wise um for the first lockdown in in spain we ended up near a lake and we thought oh yeah we've got enough supplies and water and everything for two weeks how long can this possibly go on for (laughs) (laughs) wrong (laughs) so by the time we finished our two weeks and obviously lockdown and everything was carrying on so we got back in touch with our Spanish friends that we'd made, that we'd uh, been in touch with further up north. And they started up this WhatsApp group um, for people who had vans or people who were living in vans and then people who had spaces. And um, it had lists of, if you need water and electricity, you can go to this place. If you just need a safe place to park, you can go to this place. Um, and it was just incredible that, we'd been included in that and we'd only met these people you know a couple of weeks before um like I said we met the Argentinians Connie and Ari in Greece we also met Frankie and John who were from England when we were in Greece and spent a couple of weeks with them um and the other people in Spain Jose and Christina from Cactus Garage everybody was just just incredible incredible people um, since then, we we met other people that we spent the last Christmas and New Year in Portugal, and they came down to see us. Other motorhomers, um, Susie and David, just yeah, just just amazing people. You know, when you just meet people, then you think, oh yeah, we're going to get on. Uh-huh. And we've just found that over and over again. Oh, that's brilliant! Great to hear that you had that support from the van life community when you needed it most and and I guess that you know we, we heard a bit from Siobhan in a previous episode about her experience of van life and being kind of stuck in no man's land really not being able to go home because you haven't got a home anymore um yeah. but then you know finding a local community to to be with and to get support from so so I think the pandemic caught a lot of us out didn't it and and you know, we felt the same a little bit in terms of like the first lockdown happened and then we 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 kind of came out of it didn't we and I and I guess that's what would have happened where you were in Europe as well but then we went back into it again so did you have a similar experience then in, in the next lockdown? Yeah so we had two weeks by the lake there in Spain and then we had about seven weeks um, up in the mountains near Granada with a guy called Jose who was also incredibly helpful to us um, and then we went and stayed with our friends again in Dino, uh, I think for about four or five weeks. And then things opened up within France. And because we were already in France, we spent a week touring around France, um, which was actually fantastic. We, Because we're from Jersey, we've been to France a lot of times, but only really kind of St. Marlowe area. And we've been down to the Loire Valley, but we took our time and came down the west coast and then we went up through the Champagne region and it's just absolutely fantastic and they're just so prepared for motorhoming and van life 
with airs everywhere and you know filling up water emptying toilets and things um and then as soon as everything opened up again we just took the opportunity and we went up to Scandinavia so we did Denmark Sweden and Norway for six weeks and if you ever get the chance they are just the most beautiful countries yeah, we we would love to go up that way. It's probably not going to be on our hit list for I don't know a year or two, but um, you know we're big fans of France and and totally agree with you that motorhoming in France is just so easy and so welcoming and so many places to go. And also we find as well that everywhere is dog friendly because we've got a dog obviously that travels with us. Um, but yeah, definitely Scandinavia is on our hit list. We'd love to go and see the Northern Lights. Did you get the chance to see them while you were there? No, we didn't get up that far, but we did <laughs> see um, numerous waterfalls and mountains and forests and moose. Oh, wow. Actual live moose. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh, fantastic. So you're, you know, by this time, you've, it sounds like you've ticked off quite a few countries um throughout Europe and so let's get into kind of how you've ended up living in Portugal how, how is that about I always had in my head that I want to go to Portugal or to live in Portugal I've never been to Portugal before Callum has never been to Portugal before <laughs> but for some reason there was just this calling and I just thought I, I need to be in Portugal. Um, in Jersey, we have quite a large Madeiran and Portuguese community. So we've grown up with quite a lot of uh, Madeiran and Portuguese, and uh, we love their cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they're just the one the people that we know are just the most friendliest, helpful, welcoming people. And uh, just something about it, I don't know, we were drawn to Portugal. So for, uh, before the first lockdown, before the first lockdown in Spain, we'd met this English couple called John and Kate, and they were supposedly only coming out in their van for three months. We pulled up at the beach, they were parked next to us, we got chatting, and it was another one of those immediate friendships. So we hung out with them for, I think, two or three days, and um, then we had to go and see somebody else. So we were going to meet them. I think a week or two later. So we went up separate ways and we said, okay, I'll see you in about a week. And then that lockdown hit. They raced on through to Portugal and got in, I think the day of or the day before the borders closed. And we got stuck in Spain. So we were messaging each other the whole time, video calling, saying, hey, where are you? Where did you get to? How are you doing? All that kind of thing. And then for the next, six months we continued to do the same messaging chatting so when we went up to Scandinavia they'd come up to Holland to see some friends and we just missed each other we'd gone off into Denmark just before they got up there and then they couldn't get into Denmark so um they came back down to Portugal and we said oh guys we're finally going to be able to see you this was October 2020 I think and we met them in February or March 2020. So we said, yeah, yeah, we're going to finally be able to meet up with you again. We were coming down to Portugal, really enjoying ourselves in the north of Portugal. Then it got to around Halloween and they have uh, like Day of the Dead celebrations and they, the government had called a mini lockdown. So they said, right, we don't know if this lockdown is going to be longer. We're down in southern Portugal and we know that this motorhome site did not close the last lockdown. So if you need somewhere safe to be, come down near us. And they might lock you in the campsite, but they won't kick you off. So we were uh-huh. like, okay, excellent. That sounds like a plan. So we drove down, I think in two or three days, missed a whole load in the middle of Portugal that we really need to go back and see, and ended up on the site. And... Um, then they said, oh, right, okay, so they've only done the short lockdown, so you're allowed to mingle again. Come and see our site um, and have a swim in the swimming pool. Like, yeah, okay, that's an offer you can't turn down, isn't it? <laughs> so we went there, 
and they bought a static on this site. So when we were talking about Portugal, we said we do not want to be in the Algarve. It's going to be too hot for us in the summer. We do not want to be on a site. We do not want to be in a static. And we absolutely do not want to be on a site with expats. <laughs> There's a static for sale on this site. <laughs> the day that we walked in, and they hardly ever come up for sale. So we put in an offer and a bit of um, toing and throwing. We bought number 30 on the week that Callum turned 30. <laughs> oh, oh my days this is there's a little pattern here isn't there it's like that's that universe again we do not want a six birth motorhome we're only going to go and look at it we'll just sit in it we're not going to buy that's it. it and yeah. yeah there's definitely a pattern oh fantastic so now you live <laughs> in a static caravan in the Algarve with a bunch of expats but <laughs> yep. the time of your life aren't you <laughs> And it is way too hot and it's only June. Oh. But we love it. We absolutely love it here. What's the temperature like at the moment? 30 something degrees. Christ. Um, I think it's I think it's maybe a degree or two cooler today. Um, but yeah, last week we were all kind of <laughs> there was one day where we just laid on the bed, us two and Theodore, and we just had the fan on. And that was it. <laughs> That's all we're doing today. <laughs> that sounds like our memories of uh, Malta in the summer where the heat was just so yeah. extreme you just couldn't do anything I mean <laughs> you know the the decision then to obviously buy a home basically in another country that you've never visited before never been to before you know was it a snap decision or, or you know was there any thought around it much or was it literally a you know what sod it let's live life and just do it a bit of all of that um we decided by then we that we definitely didn't want to go back to Jersey. This was December 2020, so Brexit was bringing being brought in the next month. Mm. So we kind of had to make a decision in that time. Are we going to go back, possibly go back to Jersey, earn a bit more money, and then come out when we can? Are we going to have to juggle this 90 days in, 90 days out business? Yeah. Because get dragged in with it or do we find somewhere in Europe to call home get our residency and not have to worry about any of that but kind of restart our lives somewhere else and that's what we decided to do yeah and and I mean they're they're big decisions aren't they you know in terms of do you travel all the way back and, and almost start again in Jersey but you're in a familiar place or do you stick around in this brand new country and make a new life so what were those conversations like were they I guess you and Callum were on the same page or you know was it quite an easy decision I think we've kind of been talking about it as we went along yeah if our friends John and Kate were not on this site already and we knew somebody already that probably would have made a big difference and we'd looked at a few countries on the way around with the possibilities of living there we absolutely love Croatia just stunning country um low cost of living well it's definitely compared to Jersey um, wonderful people great weather but to move there was really difficult um but technicality wise you you either have to have family there or be employed by a Croatian company or something similar uh, we also looked at Greece because we fell in love with the Peloponnese, southern Greece. Just again, beautiful. Um, the mountains didn't even look like they were real; they looked like mm-hmm. they were from a video game or something. But the infrastructure isn't there, and with our previous health problems, we didn't want to tie ourselves somewhere in case something should happen later on. Yeah, pre-COVID, obviously. Um, and then Malta, we absolutely loved Malta as well. And like I said, our friends were already living there, but the cost of living there isn't really that much different to Jersey. And we just get back into that cycle of just working all the time and never seeing each other. And then Spain we loved, but moving to Spain was just more difficult than moving to Portugal, basically. So, yeah, we ended up here. Brilliant. And and thanks to your friends as well, I guess it sounds like another little twist of fate in terms of 
you know, like you said earlier, if they hadn't have been on that site and you hadn't have ended up there during lockdown, then who knows what would have happened? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said, they were only supposed to be travelling for three months. And this is, what, a year later now, I think. And they, they're now residents in Portugal as well. So, yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> um, what what would you say the cost of living is like where you are now? Is is it quite reasonable? Uh, rent wise, definitely. Um, food is it's, it's difficult because Jersey is so super expensive. Yeah. So Jersey is kind of like London prices, you know, compared to the rest of England. So anything compared to Jersey is a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. We we live quite frugally anyway. Um, we live a reasonably low waste kind of life. We try not to have any food waste if possible. Um, we're growing quite a lot of like vegetables and things. Um, yeah, we're, we're on a site, we've got some retired people, so we're basically living like retired people. <laughs> 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 we're, in, we're in bed by nine o'clock, there's not much of a rock and roll lifestyle. <laughs> That's all right, you're exactly the same. When Ollie goes to bed, we go to bed, we need our sleep. <laughs> Especially with a little one, yeah. Oh, God, absolutely. And then <laughs> tell us a bit about the actual area then, so you know, in terms of the location and what's in your neighbourhood, you know, what, what's going on there? Yeah, that's one of the things that swung it for us as well. Like I said, Jersey is just beautiful naturally. So we wanted to move somewhere that was also naturally beautiful. And because we've grown up on an island, I especially get a bit, what's the opposite of claustrophobic? <laughs> yeah. I, <know laughs> like I can't be near a body of water. Because in Jersey, it's about 20 minutes in any direction to the sea. So, like if I we're driving through France, for example, and you can just see miles and miles of fields ahead of you, I get a bit stressed and anxious about that because I can't <laughs> see a body of water. So I'm... here, we're only a 10 minutes walk from the beach, from the beach, from the sea. Um, we're in a natural park. There's flamingos and stalks where. Uh, 20 minutes from the mountains half an hour from Spain near waterfalls and um, the salt lakes and yeah it's just a beautiful beautiful place to be oh it sounds absolutely idyllic does, does it feel like a forever home for you guys or have you still got itchy feet and want to move on that's a good question it depends on the day and the time of day <laughs> Uh, we we went back to Jersey, like I said, and sold the motorhome last month because we want to buy another van here, and it's really difficult to import vehicles into Portugal. So we sold that one in Jersey, and then with that money, um, we're buying new e-bikes. Oh, oh cool! I know I'm more excited about that than I am about the van. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to get a smaller camper, one that we can fit in a parking space rather than having to find two in front of each other like we did with the other motorhome and just so we can go off for like weekends and shorter trips and things like that so probably a bit of both well that that sounds like a great plan and like you said you know you've still got quite a bit of Portugal to see having shot down there on your original travel as well lots of it yeah definitely so what about working out there? How how does that work with residency and stuff like that? You know, what if, if anyone was thinking about doing something similar to what you've done and moving out there, what, what do people need to think about for employment or for residency? That's a good question. Since we got our residency in December, obviously things have changed regarding Brexit and rules like that. I don't really know. <laughs> I, I know I know it's a lot more difficult now than it was when we did it. And um, obviously Callum was already set up with the working online and digital marketing side. Um, apart from that, I'm not really sure. 
I thought that might be the answer because I remember and I think as well seeing stuff on van life communities with Brexit blooming and people abroad I, I there seemed to be quite a rush if people were thinking of going to live abroad they kind of needed to do it pre-Brexit because it was going to be a hell of a lot easier so it's great to hear that you kind of got in there before you know things got a bit difficult yeah that's one of the reasons that we kind of had to bite the bullet or go home um and we're very glad that we made this decision yeah 100 percent. so um work-wise will will you be working in portugal do you have any plans to, to set up any businesses there like you were in jersey i don't know at the moment um we bought the static and most of my time i've been spent renovating it and like i said trying to set up a bit more of a garden with the vegetables and that out the front and there's still quite a bit to do here so that's another one of those kind of see what the universe got to us things yeah i don't blame you i was i saw some of the pictures of the uh renovation work done you've done the before and after pictures they look absolutely brilliant what you've done fair play <laughs> yeah it's been a labor of love from the <laughs> When we what are you living in a static at the moment? We are, yeah. We've been in it yeah. since August, uh, but yeah, obviously in a slightly different climate to what you're in now. So we, yeah. we, uh, we, we, well, we we didn't think we'd be in it over the winter because obviously we thought we'd be off traveling. But yeah, we've uh-huh. survived a winter in it, and now we're loving it in this weather because we can just have the doors and windows open all day. Yeah, so that's the opposite for us. We have to survive the summer. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to about 40 degrees down here so yeah oh, in and out of the pool I was going to say um, yeah, so, that swimming pool is going to come in handy oh my goodness that was one of the things that swung it for us really if we were going to be living somewhere so warm we absolutely needed access to a pool and air conditioning <laughs> yeah good stuff so a couple of questions that we tend to always kind of ask our guests when we're coming to the end of our podcast episode is uh number one what does living life differently mean to you making plans but also being open to opportunities that arise and uh, saying yes more often (laughs) and are you still saying yes to everything I don't know about everything. That's getting me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but yeah, we're definitely open to adventures. We quite often say, right, let's go on an adventure. <laughs> oh, that's really good. And and do you think that mindset, that kind of openness to adventure and saying yes more, do you think that mindset is one that only came about after you decided to, to quit Jersey and, and sell everything you owned? I've kind of always been one to just say, right, what's the worst that could happen? That's why I ended up um, setting up a few businesses with my business partner and best friend back in Jersey. Because, yeah, we always said, well, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does, it might be really cool. So I've always been like that. Callum's more, he has to consider the considerations, like I said. (laughs) He's more of a logical mind. I'm more of a creative mind. but he he also uh, likes having adventures. So that's why we work well together. Brilliant, brilliant partnership. And what would you say to any women listening who might have been in or might currently be in a similar position to what you were in Jersey, you know, kind of working all the hours, maybe not seeing their partner or friends or family as much as they'd like to, knowing they want to do something different, not sure what they want to do. You know, what what would you say to those people? probably start with reassessing your priorities a lot of people when we said we were going traveling who earned a lot more money than us and were a lot more flexible than us in life just said oh my goodness that's so exciting that I could never do that Mm. and then we'd have a discussion with them and saying well why not oh well I've just taken the loan out on the car and we've just remortgaged the house we've just done this we've just done that and one of the biggest things that it's taught us is how little we need to be happy. Yeah. And obviously it's different circumstances for everybody. And if you've got children, that's a whole other consideration. But yeah, life 
could be much more simple if you just let it be. Yeah, I think that's really, really wise words. And I think, you know, again, that's a theme that's kind of come out in podcast with previous guests as well about the simplicity of life about living authentically about just living with a bit more freedom I guess financial freedom often comes up as well is that is that the point you think you've got to with Callum well that was yeah one of the things we said when we were leaving Jersey was we just do not want to be in any debt um like we had the mortgage on the flat when we left and whatever we wanted to get we just didn't want to put ourselves in any debt. So that's why we sold everything that we had to start with. Um, and then, yeah, now we're replacing the motorhome. We're using that money to buy other things rather than, you know, taking out a loan or something similar. So that's kind of been one of our priorities is just not to be in any debt. Yeah, that's a good good way of living, definitely. And how is Theodore? How is Theodore? He's um, cursing us about the heat currently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he he has made some little cat friends on the site. There's quite oh. a few cats. Here, and um, they wait outside the door for him in the morning. Because he, he sleeps with us or under the bed in his little bed. We shut the door. He has his little breakfast. And then we open the door. And his little cat friends are sat outside for him. And they go off for the day. And he pops in and out. And he comes home around sunset, has his dinner, we shut the door and he goes to bed. Oh. So it's not the worst life. Definitely <laughs> not the worst life. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Great to hear that he's got some uh, Portuguese buddies to hang out with as well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been lovely speaking to you. It would be great if you could tell people where they can follow your adventures. And that also, what as you do that, I wonder if you can tell us a bit about the name of your blog as well because it's quite an interesting are you going to try and pronounce that well I, I i'll give it a go so i think your, your blog and instagram is something like oh hang on let me look at it uh uh so <laughs> man i don't oh, know nearly nearly very good um so it rv is obviously the most at home yeah and then mon v in uh-huh. jersey french in Gerier. It means my old mate. Oh, what so, a good... Yeah, just taking a little bit of jersey with us everywhere. Fantastic. So the your blog um, is rvmonvie.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. M-A-N-V-Y-I. Brilliant. We'll share that. And have you also got social links as well, Instagram, etc.? cetera? Um, yeah, Instagram and Facebook. I still don't know what Twitter's is all about <laughs> <laughs> well we'll share those links as we always do uh, with our guests so uh, I'm sure people would love to follow your adventures um they can check back on your van adventures via your blog and there's some fantastic posts on there and great pictures to to look at as well and also to check out your new uh your new life in Portugal which is really exciting hopefully we get to meet you guys one day yes that'll be fantastic because your sister's not that that far away from us your sister or yeah so my sister she's in central portugal um not far from coimbra so she's kind of probably about four hours north of you guys yeah, four or five hours i think yeah yeah it, and it makes you realize how big a country portugal is when you kind of start to think about those distances but um i don't think we'll get down to southern portugal on our trip which we've got coming up fairly soon but hopefully in 2022 is that what next year is yeah hopefully we'll do a longer trip and we'll be able to explore a bit more of Portugal and maybe bump into you guys fantastic well hopefully we'll have a a new Portuguese van in about a month once we've decided what we want to get that'll be exciting So for now, uh, what I'd love to say is, Philippa, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We're delighted to have you along. And it's also great to hear that you're a listener of ours as well. So it's a double whammy for us. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you too. And thank you for the podcast. I love listening to it. (laughs) No worries at all. Thank you. Thank you once again for listening to our podcast. We hope that Philippa's story has inspired you to maybe quit what you're doing and try something different. 
again, I'm super, super inspired by Philippa's story. And I know I say that in every episode, but it's so true. And I think it's really apt that it's about, you know, someone else moving to Portugal after we heard about Ellie's move to Portugal and the fact that we're in Portugal. And I loved the mixture of van life and how through twists of fate, they ended up living somewhere completely different that they hadn't even thought about. What about you? I think it's that having that um, realisation of that what they actually want is different to what they thought they wanted. So the not wanting to be in that expat, not wanting to be in that sort of English mm. community and then ending up in that way. And I think there's a lot of similarities with kind of where we want to be, where we might do, but we'll see what the future brings with this little one. <laughs> So we're currently in Portugal, as I mentioned at the start of the episode. We've taken a five-day drive from Wales through England, over the English Channel, down through France and Spain, so that Ollie, who you can hear right now, and you could hear on the episode, could meet his Auntie Ellie for the first time. We've shared our travels on a little daily YouTube blog, so there's five days' worth of little adventures that you can see on there. So go and watch that if you'd like um, some extra entertainment for a bit of fun, and the link is in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be really grateful if you could share it with your friends and family so that we can reach more people with these amazing stories. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Also, feel free to reach out and say hi to us. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast so far and also where you're listening from. So that's it for now. Look forward to connecting with you on the next show. Until then, take care and stay safe. Bye.